Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I was wondering whether you saw yourself reflected in Willa's mum or not. Oh, with her plate? Yes. Yeah. You're a woman of appetites. Oh, God. But Willa's mum likes a buffet. I'm not sure that you like a buffet. I like a high-end buffet. Do you think there's an expectation you should show restraint at a wake as opposed to other events? I don't think I would be able to restrain myself. But you're right. I'm a real buffet snob. At an average British hotel, I'm revolted. All of this is making me worry as my northern working class family are getting older. You're not going to be able to do very well with the buffets. At those funerals, which is white bread sandwiches cut into triangles. Oh, at, at, at your mother's funeral, I brought additional food from Whole Foods in London. And then I think I like snuck off into the bathroom at some point to eat food. You were eating on a lavatory at my mum's wake. I'm not sure that that's exactly what happened, but some version of that would have taken place. Why don't you welcome the listener into the episode, like Marsha welcoming people into the apartment for the wake. I need a second to find her. Okay. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for coming. It has been a very difficult week, but you are you are back for our podcast. So we've just watched season four, episode four, Honeymoon States, and we are going to be speculating in a comic mode. <laughs> a humorous take. Exactly. And uh, sh- shall we start with our brain dumps? Yeah, who's going first, you or me? I'll go if you like. Please. Let's start with the big revelation that we almost have forgotten about by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which is Shiv getting the phone call mm-hmm. from the doctor in which we learn that she's pregnant. The doctor says, I won't draw it out. That is drawing it out. Mm. Just say the the results were good. You're right. And I think the moment of Shiv receiving the phone call might have set the record for the earliest I've got teary-eyed in an episode of Succession. You cried pretty intensely immediately. It was about her realising that her unborn child will never get to know its grandfather. And then I remembered Logan was a horrible grandfather. We saw him being abusive to Iverson. That child has dodged a bullet. But then there was that line where she talks about, like, so he could rock his grandkids to sleep, making fun of the fact that he would not have been involved anyway. Mm. But I did feel like that was her expression of that pain. Yes. All right. Mine. I want to know what the people who are working on this show did to make Ken look so rough in that opening shot. Don't you think the answer is just overhead lighting? Oh, my God. I truly look 60 with overhead lighting. Both of us are capable of taking great photos and looking like attractive people and 
both of us, minute by minute moving around our house, look like we belong under a bridge. (laughs) From a great angle, perfectly lit. I think we could both be a seven. And I I truly believe that at our worst, we're like ones. We like don't look human. Well, I don't think that about you, but it is nice to know (laughs) that you think that about me as well as yourself. Now, I want to bring up the obituary scene where they're sitting around reading Logan's obituaries in the various publications and they're translating the coded language that newspapers use. A complicated man means through phones at staff. A sharp reader of the national mood means a bit racist. Very much a man of his era means, again, racist. Also relaxed about sexual assault. Business genius means never paid a penny in US tax. Well-connected is a euphemism for a pedophile. I remember when Prince Philip died, and I do feel that the the narrative around Prince Philip has shifted a bit in the wake of the Queen's death. But in those days immediately afterwards, a lot of the people who knew him, who spoke to the press, said that he didn't suffer fools gladly. Oh my God. And that is a euphemism for just being an arsehole to people, right? Yeah. And it makes you think, how much of an arsehole do you have to be that when your body is not yet in the ground, somebody you knew is asked about you and the thing that they feel compelled to tell a newspaper is that you could be very difficult and a real asshole with people. If you have ever had someone say about you that you do not suffer fools, gladly, it doesn't mean that you're like direct in a way that people appreciate. It means that you're rude and people mostly don't like to be around you. Okay, I had a lot of sympathy for the Sibs in this one, and it's not just because their dad just died. It is because when they call Matson back and this Oscar answers the phone and says, this is Oscar on Lucas's phone, that makes me want to die. If I ever call a friend and they let someone else pick up your phone, even your fucking kid. If I ever, it's like, You say even your kid, that is the worst. That is, hello, I don't want to fucking have to do a thing now. (laughs) And I happen, I do. I really like children, but I hate to talk to them on a phone. It's miserable. A kid, a spouse, that added moment of, oh, hi. Just pleasantry on top of pleasantry is hellfire. Oscar, by the way, is played by an Icelandic actor called Johannes Hauker Johannesson. He has been in Game of Thrones. Also, he was in the Will Ferrell Eurovision film. We got very excited briefly because we looked him up and we thought he was going to be the Sing Ya Ya Ding Dong guy. And he wasn't. No. I'm not sure that the Sing Ya Ya Ding Dong guy has the range needed. I wonder who listens to this podcast knows about Ya Ya Ding Dong. I think you'd be What's surprised. What's the crossover? I think there's more than you think. Mm. Okay. So Connor's getting the apartment for $63 million. How much do you think it's worth? I just Googled it while you're talking. And um, Forbes has it at $52 million. $52 million. Yeah. So that by saying between 60 and 70, she was going... Market value plus 10. But 10 million is irrelevant to her. She must be expecting hundreds of millions. Don't you think? How would you feel? Yeah. Your parents have lived in the same house since before you were born. Yes. How would you feel if your brother bought it? I would like it. What if he remodeled it? His taste is pretty gross. My brother has a trashy little thing going on that I don't have. He makes more money than I do. He is better looking than I am. He is more beloved by our parents. I think he generally has a happier life than I do. But he's trashy. He's 
got a trashy attitude. And I just don't like it. And it makes me feel like I'm part of the trash bucket when, in fact, I am a princess. So is it comforting to think of your family home pickup truck parked in the driveway? He drives a pickup truck. (laughs) Ew, he has a pickup truck and a fucking Jeep Wrangler. Trash. (laughs) And then what do you call the thing on the back of his truck? A cover for a spare tire. He has a cover for a spare tire. And it's a picture of Julia Child pulling a chicken apart. Like, it's like she's deboning a chicken. It is crazy. So you'd rather have Willa remodel your parents' home? Yeah, I would. Now, I have a surprise for you. Oh, okay. I had a look at the Succession Reddit earlier. Uh-huh. And obsessive fans have been doing CSI-style enhancement on the letter. Of course they have. Dear Jesse, I just have a quick question for the J-Dog before we even get into this letter. Dear Jesse, as the show has gone on and you've started to understand that this is the kind of show that people just obsess over, does it make you get in your head when you're creating? Are you like, oh, we're, we're writing up this letter, but we got to really pay attention to it because some fucking weirdos, no fans are going to be getting up to some shit on Reddit, scrutinizing it? Or was that the attention to the detail that you always brought to this, which is what made the show chicken or egg? You get what I'm saying? Okay, I'm ready now. Check your email. I've sent it to you. I know you like reading out loud. Is this going to be like you divorcing me and this is how you've chosen to do it? (laughs) To my executors and family, I have created this record to provide my executors and family with information they will need after my death. It includes financial and personal information that will be needed to settle certain affairs, as well as preferences and suggestions for the arrangements that must be made. I hope this record will help make a difficult time easier for my family. Let me ask you a question. Would you prefer having a document with all that stuff in it? Or does it help the grieving process to think about what the funeral should be? I came home, this was a minimum of 15 years ago. So my mother would have been maybe 60. I had arrived home to Chicago from New York, and I was making my way up to my childhood bedroom to like unpack my suitcase. And she went... Honey, she goes, there is a piece of paper. I put it on the bedside table. If your father and I die together, that is the name that you call. It makes it sound like that character in Pulp Fiction who will come in and clean up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Carmi Kaito, like a cleaner or whatever those people are called, a fixer, a fixer. Okay, so back to our letter. It is my preference that the title and role of CEO should be bestowed upon my son, Kendall Logan Roy. Underlined. Crossed out. Underlined. Crossed out. Regarding my funeral arrangements, my funeral and burial are to take place in accordance with the customs and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, God. That's going to be long. My preferred hymns. Amazing Grace. You called it. You called it. Logan, I sang that shit for you last week. Abide with me. I watch the sunrise lighting the sky and the Lord's my shepherd. Don't know. I wish to be buried with the attached copy. Oh, my God. I wish to be buried with the attached copy of my sister Rose's photograph placed in one of my wife, Marsha, in my right hand chest pocket. So there's a gap between those two things where they've not been able to quite discern what he says. But we think picture of Rose in one pocket, picture of Marsha in the other at that time. Mm-hmm. I know what you would have. <laughs> Lip balm on your phone. <laughs> I would like to change the epitaph on my headstone from the... So we don't quite know what it was from, but we know what he wants it changed to, which is... Here's what he wants. Truthful lips endure forever. The lying tongue for only a moment. Proverbs 12, 19. Interesting that his final thought is about truth. Yes. 
Have you thought about what you might like for an epitaph? No, I would like to be cremated and there are many places I want my ashes to go. Is this true, the shit that people say that like the ashes you get back are not your loved one? You just like get a scoop from inside this thing? I don't know, but if I was running a crematorium, I think I would make it my selling point to be with a crematorium that isn't just going to give you any old ashes. We'll give you your actual relative's ashes. I would like to know from someone who knows, are you really getting the right ashes back? And be honest with me. Oi, I really hope you do. To continue, we're at the end here. Leave my head of security, Colin Stiles, my Rolex Daytona Lapis. I did a quick Google. Yeah, go on. Worth over $3 million. Shut up. Yeah, one sold for $3.2 million, I think. That's nice. This is best pal. And yet no one knew he had a son. <laughs> or that he wore jeans. Colin does jeans. <laughs> um, Here's what I'm learning. I do not know anything about, like, prices of things that incredibly rich people get up to. Because I thought, like, the most expensive watch that someone like Logan could give Colin would be, like... And it's 3.3 million. And it really puts into context that, was it 15, 20K watch that Tom gives him as a birthday present in the first episode? Oh, that's great. Which, of course, Colin ends up giving to that little boy's father. Like that symmetry, guys. Nice Mm. work. And And that's pretty much it. At the end there, it gets into the stuff about the Impressionist paintings in Switzerland that Carl hopes get destroyed in a fire. For insurance purposes, like from a financial angle for insurance purposes. Yeah. That is really fun. Yeah. And and what I saw on Reddit didn't get into the handwritten stuff about Greg. I think there's something about NRPI on there as well, Uh journalism something or other. But if you noticed something on that letter, if you've paused and zoomed in, we'd love to hear from you. I'm sure lots of people are going to be decoding that in the coming days. Maybe you can uh, let us know anything you notice for Friday Sprinkles. Yes, which we're recording Friday Sprinkles very early this week. Normally we do it on Thursday afternoon. It's going to be before then. But yes, all the jostling in this episode, we'd be very interested to hear your thoughts and theories for this week's Friday Sprinkles. Anything that you noticed. Try to have a look at all the stuff that fell out of Kerry's bag. I didn't spot anything particularly significant, I don't think. But maybe you did. The email address is fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com. And we should tell them who our guest is on this episode. I think we should sing them who our guest is if you catch my drift. Okay. A five, six, seven, eight. Philly, Philly wang, 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 Philly, Philly, Philly wang, wang, wang. We're talking to Phil Wang. Who I should say <laughs> had an Edinburgh show called Philly Wang Wang, didn't he? Oh, yeah. We, he called a show. Philly, Philly, wang, wang. That wasn't just us having fun with his name. Can you imagine? (laughs) A coronation demolition derby is how Shiv referred to it. Ever been to a demolition derby? I don't know what a demolition derby is. Ask your brother about he'd know. Trash. And I thought we could divide our conversation up into the competitors, although... Not not all necessarily competing for the crown. And I thought we could start with Marsha, who is back. She is no longer shopping forever in Milan. Pleased to see her? Thrilled to see her. And she was in full morning regalia. Like, that was very Italian widow to me. And how did she get that outfit together so quick? I don't know. Shopping in Milan. Of course. 
Did you notice that when she's talking to Kendall in that very first exchange, at first she says that they spoke every morning and every afternoon, and then Kendall says something, and then she says, well, yes, we spoke every evening. Oh, yeah, notes that straight away, and I thought that was there to tell us that she's bullshitting. Right, because all of this stuff is about narrative, not money, because what's in money is going to be what's in that will. Seven weeks is how long they've been broken up for. Yes, interesting. Which I think that's not enough time for her not to be assuming the role of grieving Sicilian widow. Yeah, I think she's she's got some grief to call her own. She didn't leave him. He started fucking his assistant. Yes. Do you think Marsha is actually sad? I think Marsha's emotions are almost as difficult to glean as Logan's emotions. I think she pre-grieved as well. So she has lost something important invaluable to her but his actual death is like less depressing to her than the disillusion of her marriage did you enjoy Marsha versus willa the rematch it was so great and what does she say she says look at you and willa goes look at us both justine loop lupe anyway so i'm a Marsha apologist i just love her in that scene i was like team willa all the way here's a question for you if we know that Marsha moved out we think seven weeks previously mm-hmm. Do you think seven weeks is an appropriate amount of time for Kerry to be leaving stuff in the bathroom? Is is that what it was? Was it her stuff? Well, what we saw fall out of the bag was the sort of stuff that you would leave yep, yep. in someone's apartment if you were having regular sleepovers. So gross. Did you feel bad for Kerry? I simultaneously felt bad for her and thought she should have stayed away if she'd been asked to stay away. What was so wonderful about how the actress played finding out he died in last week's episode was that there were so many different ways that you could interpret Chuckles the Clown. And what we see this week, I I thought was sort of confirmation of the fact that she was so close to probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And because he died before he could finalize it, she's now got nothing. And I was kind of into it. And did we see genuine kindness from Roman in that moment? We did. And I was wondering, there's that moment where Colin says, use the back door. And I enjoyed that. I didn't feel like, ooh, this is hard to watch. I was like, yeah, the back door for Carrie. I was into it. And I thought, I wonder why that way of treating her felt so bad to Roman specifically. Whatever his usual triggers are that make him be sweet. I didn't quite see it there. You know, you almost always only ever see it with his family members, like Connor or his dad or something. Yeah, it's like a Roman we haven't really seen before. It's very easy to miss exactly what Carrie is saying to Roman as she's picking up all her stuff. And she says, we were talking about getting married and he was making arrangements about us. Can you check? He was going to make it known. It's brutal. Fucking brutal. All right, next in our run-through of the contenders at the Coronation Demolition Derby, we have the old guard, by which I mean Frank, Jerry, and Carl. What you did in cable in the 90s? Huge. <laughs> and also the line where, where they're talking about just like wanting their money and wanting to get out. And Carl says, I'm halfway in on a Greek island with my brother-in-law. Just these little things. You don't even get one a season where you find out what these people's lives look like. But we get so much detail about Carl in this episode. Keep going. Well, we also find out that he is 
a man who produces an incredibly dense bowel movement. Do you know what? I didn't even remember that that happened. <laughs> because when it happened, it was the most inevitable fact I've ever heard. He can BM. He's lived on... Wonder from- Bread and Steak Freet. You see that thing in the episode, which is part of grief, where people try and blame themselves. You see Shiv do it, that the kids forced him to get on that plane and go to yeah. Sweden. And I really enjoyed the suggestion that it was, in fact, Carl's BM blocking up the toilet on the jet as Logan fished for his iPhone. So do you think that is actually true, that his phone was in the toilet? Maybe we'll never know, unless Logan's love of a security camera extends to the toilet (laughs) on his private jet. Um, Unlike Carl, density is not a problem for me. However, (laughs) there was this one time when we were first dating. Your apartment in Bushwick in New York, the, the plumbing was not good. No. And I was about to leave for the airport. The taxi was outside. And all of a sudden, the need took me. Uh-huh. I quickly went into your bathroom, uh-huh. but it, it wouldn't flush down. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm going to miss my flight. But bearing in mind it's early in our courtship, I have to come out and say to you, look, there's a problem. <laughs> and you said, don't worry about it. I'll sort it. So after we said our farewell, you then had to go in with a carrier bag. I had to and a plunger. fish your shit out of my toilet. And that's how I knew. <laughs> Should we do Tom next? Yeah. Did you find him pitiable or disgusting or somewhere in between or both? I think somewhere in between. What I'm not sure of is how sincere the let me show you some kindness to Shiv was. It seemed like a heartfelt moment, but Tom is a man looking for a parachute. But he also, I think he loves her. Again, it's both things are true. Think about him on that staircase talking to her about when they met. And think about them in Next Cove, in the difference in those two men and where they're they're at. And I just think he does love her, but he also hates her, but he can't indulge that hatred or whatever that is right now because he needs her too much. Are we all on the same page that he does not know about this pregnancy? Yes. Yes. And have we also all thought about the fact that Shiv's pregnancy feels... Very first trimester, right? So that means she's less than three months pregnant, meaning that the fucking to make this embryo would have happened since Tom's betrayal. Maybe not. So the the doctor said we'll make a point from the 20-week scan. So we know it's not later than 20 weeks, but it could be 16 weeks, which is about four months. So she could have been impregnated during that sex in Italy. I don't really love you. But you're still with me. I don't think Sarah Snook needs to worry about competition at the Emmys next year. Well. And if this pregnancy continues, that's going to feel like Christmas Day to Tom because it's a hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that pregnancy is not going to make it or something or she'll abort the embryo. Based on what? I've really been geared up to expect a lot of weight between Tom and Shiv And I feel like we could see that scene happen. Wow. But basically, my hit rate for getting these kind of predictions wrong is zero. How do you think Tom is feeling as he's moving around that wake, having heard that assessment of himself from Carl? You're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fairly and squarely fucked. You know, it wasn't played 
as though it got to him particularly. Part of what I mean is that we don't see him like bullying Greg past a point. Mm. If he was feeling more hurt, he would have been more abusive to Greg. And when we see him whispering in Greg's ear during that tribute speech to Logan, it's not that actually he is cold and unaffected by it all. It's just a way in which he's letting some of it out. It's also a quieter way of showing power. Like, well, I was there. So you want the inside track? You're, uh-huh. you're looking at someone with the inside track. That's, you know, Greg, you're down here. I'm up here. Do you like to speak ill of the dead? No, I like to speak ill of the living. And that's not out of respect. It's just like the dead aren't getting up to anything. You need some active behavior to be able to get incensed about, I find. Greg does not know what to do with himself. He's desperately looking for a bit of influence and power to glom onto. And he's just feeling a little less relevant right now. Do you think this Greg question mark changes that on the piece of paper? I can't. It just would not feel authentic for anything significant to happen. But I wonder why Logan had written it down and whether it's going to come into play. Someone messaged me this week saying that like it gets annoyed at Succession for having so many Chekhov's guns that turn out not to be guns or not to be relevant to the story. But I disagree. I like that about it. I think it makes it better. I agree with that. But but so I wonder if that will just be another one of those. Mm. You know that they are publishing the Succession scripts in book form. Yes. I would also like a beautiful, maybe hand-bound book of Tom's letters to Shiv. Handwritten notes. I flew to you. What do you think he said? I love you. And these little Bibles, these backstories that they write up for the actors about their character. Oh, you never see that. I mean, this stuff would be fascinating, actually. Scenes that didn't make either the final draft or that got lost in the edit. I'd love to see all that, but I don't think we're going to get any of that. I would, but if forced to choose, here's my ranking. Yes. Here's how much stuff matters to me. Number one, the two-hour version of episode three, season four. Number two... The Bibles that the actors are given about their characters. And then only after that do I care about deleted scenes. I'm never a huge one for a deleted scene. They got deleted for a reason. Yeah. All right, finally, should we move on to the Kids Alliance? When do they decide to say kids and when do they decide to say sibs? I think they call themselves sibs and other people call them the kids. That sounds right. One of the main things that I took from this episode was the way that Ken was putting his best foot forward. I believe this thing that is said about people, which is that people change, but not a lot. And I think that we saw Ken just getting a little better being a little bit more strategic. I think the way that he speaks to his siblings now, where he basically goes, okay, I've, I I get that I'm the fuck up in these ways. There's a way that he's relating to them that I think is more respectful than he would have been a few years ago. And does that extend to when he snaps at Shiv and says, well, it sure as fuck doesn't say Siobhan on that piece of paper or whatever it was he said? I, I think actually, yes, it did extend to that because I felt like the move that it should be Ken and Roman was a smart move. I thought they did a good job both of them, in convincing her of that. And in a way, I think what sure as fuck doesn't say Shiv, put her in her place a little bit in a way that was effective. And one thing that we know from the episode was that the board said yes and quickly. And I thought it showed 
certain kind of prowess and a certain kind of growth. And by the way, I fully believe the name was crossed out, not underlined. You don't underline shit in a document like that. No. Well, let me get my pen out so I can underline. <laughs> no, of course. Just to make myself clear, because it's it's so ambiguous when I say the CEO should yeah. be Kendall Logan Roy. Let I better underline, no, underline no. it just in case. Yeah. He went to cross it out. Yeah. But the point is, he didn't then write in Shiv. But what I feel is heartbreaking is really the takeout for Kendall should have been that his dad did think it could be him at was, one point. I put it to you that that was Kendall's takeaway. And that's why you hear the theme from the show played on piano underneath that scene. He's looking at that going, I know that's a cross out, but fuck you. He's not here to fuck with me anymore. And I saw a little freedom for Ken. Because he gets the answer to that question. He asked his dad on the boat. Yeah. His dad was a bad crowd. His dad was pressure. And how do any of us perform in front of a bad crowd? And the bad crowd is done now. The guy that he fucks up in front of is gone now. And I just saw someone just today doing a little better. Okay, so I am not the fucking pussy that you are. So I didn't cry at the opening of the fucking fourth episode. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't cry at all this episode. I didn't almost cry. But the part that moved me the most was Kendall and Stewie. And it reminds me of a thing. You know, my mother, one of her things she loves to talk about. So my mother's not catchphrases, but shit, does she say this a lot? Is there anything better than a good friend? She's always fucking saying that. She goes, do you tell your friends everything? Or if I mention a friend, I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, Becky um, dropped off a cake. Or what? Go, Are you and Becky quite close? <laughs> Just think for a second about how exhausting <laughs> that question is. <laughs> Do you tell Becky everything? <laughs> she always asks me if I tell someone everything. And the thing is, I would tell basically anyone everything, which is both a mark of sort of a bit of emotional healthiness and a way that I'm sort of a narcissist. I think both things are on display. Anyway, I really, I I, I saw a new layer for Stewie. I thought it was a beautiful moment. And it made me a bit sad because that is as good a friendship as Kendall can expect. I think Kendall and Stewie have as good a friendship as a lot of people. I, I think... Business will always fuck with them. Money will always be more important and power will always be more important to them than friendship. But they're honest about that with each other. And they do really know each other. Like, Shiv does not have friends. Connor doesn't have friends. Roman doesn't have friends. But you can have a friendship where that honesty exists. But business and money and power and the possibility that one of you would slit the other's throat isn't part of the friendship. I don't know. I, th I think I really admire the honesty. I really do. I think it's a sweet little thing those two have going. <laughs> and so handsome. Stop objectifying him. His hair looked gray again this week. So it must have just been the lighting in the previous episode. It's working for you. <laughs> do you think Sandy's face is frozen into that expression or do you think he was smiling? I think he was smiling. And is it the smallest cuffs you've ever seen on Sandy Jr.? I, I, I genuinely, I thought to myself, oh my God, they took my note. She doesn't have her cuffs anymore. And then I remembered <laughs> that this was all shot before I started talking. <laughs> it's almost like I don't matter or have any influence. Um, do you trust them to make that they will make good on their promise to Shiv? No. They promised on yesterday. 
No, of course I don't, because already we've seen Kendall go behind the back of his co-CEO, Roman. I, I, I don't know. I really am believing that they will keep their promise to her because they promised on yesterday. Maybe that's how Roman's thinking about it. It's not how Kendall's thinking about it. I think that Kendall is thinking about it that way. And that that backstabbing to Roman that he did, it's like he would view shitting on his dad's legacy as a different kind of betrayal to shitting on his sister at this stage in their relationship. I've got a fear. What? And I'm specifically talking about this moment towards the end with Kendall and Hugo. Kendall thinks he is being a killer like his dad Uh using this leverage with Hugo when in actual fact, he's being really idiotic and he's getting himself wrapped up in insider trading. Because now he knows about insider trading. And yes. if you know about it and you don't, you participated. Yes. Oh, fuck. Wouldn't that just be typical Kendall? He gets this moment that should be closure. His dad did want him to succeed at some point. Then head swelled with hubris. He fucks it up. I read it as we're seeing a killer. So not someone who thinks he's a killer, but he's correct when he says, he might have said this is what dad would have wanted, or, or I can't remember if he also said this is what dad would have done, but it is what his dad would have done. Is it, or straight away would the alarm bells have gone off, uh, being embroiled with this business with Hugo and his daughter, uh, fucking him with a strap on? Did Hugo know that that Ken had overheard him coming in? I think maybe when Ken mentions the strap on at that That's moment, when he realizes. He knows. But it also made me think about just their existence. That everyone in that show is going through life looking for things that they can hold over other people to manipulate them. I don't know. I'm just jealous of all the money that they have. <laughs> do you also? Do you have a feeling on why he went to Kendall and not to Shiver Roman Hugo? I mean. I just thought he was looking for the most sympathetic ear, I guess. Did you notice Roman takes some pills that were on his dad's desk? Hmm. What do you think they were? Viagra. Yeah, because you'd just want to be walking around awake with a boner, wouldn't you? Anyway, he took pills. There was like yeah. pills on his dad's desk. I thought you'd find that more interesting. He was also kind of caressing a cigar that belonged to Logan. But that makes more sense than taking a pill. Um... Anything else on these kids? Shiv's fall. First of all, I feel like this is some version of asking an actor, like, how did you memorize all those lines? How did they make that fall look so real? Huh? Poor baby. Our son is obsessed with the idea of doing a pratfall. But he's also, he got your physicality, not mine. Mm. By which I mean, he's not a hot mover. It's not the best pratfall I've ever seen. It's more like he eventually just like kneels down and then puts his head down after he's put his knees down. This will be lost on you, but uh, it's, it's quite reminiscent of Bob Mortimer saying, Vic, I've fallen. Oh, well, I know about Vic and Bob. Loose ends, Menken. Donde estas Menken? Exactly. What does that mean? Where is in Spanish, which Menken would not like. No. That's why I did it. Say fuck you to the fascists. I love the detail that Logan referred to him as the spooky embryo. Yeah, that was great. But where was he? We see the Secret Service sweep the apartment. He's supposed to turn up at the wake. Shiv isn't happy about it. Is it possible that we pick straight up next week where this episode left off on the arrival of Menken? Um, yeah, Mencken and Matson, those two actors are coming up real soon. I yeah. mean, it's any fucking day now. And I thought this week might have been the funeral, which it clearly wasn't. It was the day after Logan's death. I wonder if there's any chance that those kids are going to fly to Sweden to see Matson and miss their dad's funeral in the same way that he was going to miss Connor's wedding. Don't you think we're done gathering a group of people together, though? I don't think they're going to, like, put everyone together again. I I don't think we're going to see another kind of funeral situation. 
But they did film funeral scenes. That was one of the great bits of misdirection. There were paparazzi pictures of Brian Cox at the funeral, and he did that deliberately to throw people off the scent. But I don't know. Well, as I said, I tend to get things wrong. But we would love to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts, but I don't want to share any more of mine. Would you like to know how you can get in touch with us? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, it's our guest for this week. Do you want to sell the sizzle a little? I'll sell his little bit of sizzle for you. Mm, stand-up comic. Mm, mm. He had a Netflix special. Mm, mm. You know how, like, everyone has a Netflix special? I mean, I don't. But at a certain level, <laughs> everyone has one. And then when they came out with the rankings of, like, which Netflix specials people were actually watching, Philly Wang Wang, Philly Philly Wang Wang. So he's good enough that of all the specials they put out, his was the one that they watched. He wrote a book that did very well. I am still American-centric enough that I think of it as the New York Times bestseller list. But what's the equivalent of the New York Times bestseller list? The, the, here. the Times bestseller list. He was on the Times bestseller list with his memoir, Side Splitter. He was in the Amy Schumer show, Life and Star Beth. turn in that show as well. It's a good show, Life and Beth. And they're doing another series of that, which I'm surprised about. Well, he was in New York this week. And so maybe we'll ask him Ooh. what he was doing. Maybe it was that. He also co-hosts an excellent podcast, Bud Pod. I don't want to give those fuckers any business. <laughs> He hosts an excellent podcast called The Bud Pod with our friend Pierre Novelli, our guest this week, Philip Wang. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to compliment you. How do you do with a direct compliment? Um, I've read that the only good response to a compliment is to say thank you. Well, here's how I would like to introduce <laughs> Philip. And I said this behind your back, and I'll say it to your fucking face, Phil. <laughs> Phil's a stand-up comedian. Thank you. I think of us as friendly acquaintances. Does that feel right to you? Like, we've never been out one-on-one, but I have your number in my phone, which I use on occasion to ask for favors from you. Thank you. You have a Netflix special. Yours was the one that people actually watched. Oh. That's how good 
this guy's stand-up special was. Oh, Think of all the shits that Netflix is telling you another year and you go, I don't know what to watch. <laughs> this guy. This is the one. Because you know why, Philip? Excellence. Wow. It was quality. And so people tuned in. See, now that is a big That's, compliment. It's also genuine. And so kind. what are you going to say? You're going to say, say, thank you. I'll <laughs> also say that my own Netflix account gives me a 78% match for my own stand-up special. So, <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, it doesn't think I would like it. Phil, I know from talking to you in the past that you're a big food person. Oh, yeah. I live for the stuff. So here's my, uh, here's my opening question to you. Can the buffet at Awake ever be that good? Can you ever truly appreciate it? Well, this was a theme of this episode was people enjoying things they shouldn't be enjoying too soon after a death, right? And I think Awake Buffet is the most common embodiment of that um, the dilemma for, for people. Can you eat straight after someone's death? Can you enjoy food? I find that I can. But <laughs> I am, for one, a glutton. And two, I, I think I can decouple tragedy and hunger. But there's a difference between sating your hunger and savouring <laughs> food. Yeah, I guess it's probably best not to go... Mm. <laughs> and, and sorry for your loss mm, have you tried these mm. oh. have you ever had any food at awake that you personally have thought I, I i think of you as a foodies that's a fair thing to say about you yes yeah. yes and wake so food is actually f- my favorite cuisine <laughs> there you go have you as a as a maybe we even say a food snob of sorts you'll eat it but it's got to be a good version of that thing well well i mean and not snob in like the, the the price sense i i love a michelin star dinner i love kfc chicken wings like i love it all if it's tasty i'm in i'm on board if, so if it's have you ever then with that in mind had food at a wake that you thought was delicious no i think the most respectful thing is to have disgusting food that makes everyone sadder that's what i'll have at my <laughs> wake anyway you're yeah. gonna leave a note like logan in your safe saying mm-hmm. that you want disgusting food at the wake. that's right it'll be my death um and it's just whole unpeeled cucumbers <laughs> And when you say that you could appreciate a KFC, but you also like a Michelin star dinner, I'm just thinking back to that earlier episode of Succession where Tom and Greg go for that meal where they have to put the, the ah, serviettes, yes. the napkins over their heads and eat birds whole. So were you watching that and salivating then? Well, that is sort of a food experience that probably doesn't survive in the modern age because you probably can't Instagram it, can you? Has a fancy meal even happened if it's not on your stories? You know what I mean? But I would. I, 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 I would have done it just for the experience. Because you used to hear about these very wealthy people having these secret illegal dining clubs where they <laughs> fly on private jets to some location and eat an endangered species together. No, you're salivating. I just watch Jeff so stare into the middle distance. Oh, I'm vegetarian. Oh, well, that explains it even more. Yeah, Jeff can't even look at meat on screen. I don't love it, no. I think. Yeah. Oh, really? So, oh, there's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got genuinely angry at me the other day. for We have like an ant infestation. Yum. I smashed an ant with my hand. Like punched it? Yeah, like I punched it with my bare <laughs> And my husband was wow. not um, sexually attracted to me in that moment, I will tell you. Really? That much. Yeah. I find her saving an ant. That would be very That would like you'd find that erotic. (laughs) Yes. But if I kill an animal, it's a no from you. We were pleased to see Marsha back in this episode. 
seven weeks feels like she has got widow rights. Yeah, I think so. I've been away from partners longer than that. And I would still happily make a claim to their estate. (laughs) And they they apparently had phone sex every night. I'm willing to believe that. I'm happy to believe that. I want to believe that. Release the tapes. I assume they never had phone sex. We were talking about like stuff from Succession that we'd be the most interest, like additional content material, and that I'm so much less interested in deleted scenes Mm -hmm. than I would be in getting to see the two-hour version of the um, the third episode where it's like. All of the stuff between the siblings finding out about Logan's death is playing out in real time. Well, that's interesting because my my main takeaway from this episode was I liked it a lot more than the last episode. I feel like the last episode, you know, is obviously was expertly done and believable. But this is actually getting to watch people come to terms with it and what they do with information, how quickly they move on. But it's, it's part of that that there's more room for comedy in this yes. episode as people yes, jostle. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's people weighing up how much respect do I have to show versus how much can I get on Mm. with my own ambition. Yeah. And I I think that's especially true of that old guard of Jerry, Frank, and Carl, who I don't know about you, but I, I, I think they provided some of the best comedy in this episode. Yeah. The bit where they're talking about maybe it flew away in a breeze and got flushed down a toilet and then to say that's just a joke and then when jerry goes yes a very funny joke just <laughs> in a very straight voiced but on that am i going out on a limb here i think carl and frank are really nice i think they're decent guys i like them i think you're just trying to get uh get an invite onto the greek island that carl is trying to <laughs> buy for himself I with do his brother-in-law tiki, but i do you know i think that's sweet i, I agree with you and in the end, they did show the kids the letter. But how nice can you be to have risen to the top of Waystar Royco? Well, I know, this is the question. But Frank is as nice as you can be, that's for sure. How would you thrive in that environment? Not good. I'm a really bad liar. I get, I've every tell in the book, probably. I was brought up to hate lying. I cannot lie. I would be Greg's assistant's assistant if I had to work in this <laughs> okay. environment. Have you ever been on a private jet? I'm too scared. I'm too scared. I think there's a much higher chance of a crash in a private jet as opposed to a commercial jet. Mm. And death in a lavatory. Of course, as we found out, and possibly fishing his phone out of the toilet. A real Elvis kind of death (laughs) for Logan Roy, potentially. Do you think that's true? No, because that's not a man who's going to reach into a toilet bowl. Oh, he'd have somebody else do it for him. I think so. Or there'd be another, he'd be like, get me another phone. That one's covered in Carl's shit. (laughs) Touched water that touched Carl's shit. Phil, is, is the one comic performer, because it's an, an ensemble piece, is the, is the one comic performer in that show who you consistently enjoy above the others? Willa. I think Willa is so <laughs> funny. I think Justine Lupe, the actor, she's so funny. My heart is for Willa. I want Willa to take over Waystar Royco. That's my prediction. That is my wish. I want Willa to be in charge of everything. She's so funny. She makes all these funny little noises that no one makes. I think last episode where they're talking about Connor's election likelihood and she says, it's 1%, like that. She says it's 1% but sort of swallows in and is so embarrassed. And she's so funny. She, I think she's the most underused like comic force in it, really. But yeah, so for me... Willa, the comedy queen. Jeff started off this episode, like the second that we know that Shiv is pregnant. 
within 30 seconds, he was crying because that's how quick he can get there with stuff. Are you ever moved to tears by this show? No, because I've always thought the real pleasure of, of Succession is watching bad things happen to pretty bad people. And so it's kind of guiltless, right? If something bad happened to Willa, I would bawl my eyes out. But anyone else, oh. I don't... I, I sort of think you've made your bed. So there's, there's kind of a justice in every bad thing that happens to people. So no, I didn't cry. Maybe I'm heartless. Maybe I would be a good Roy. Do you have any kind of ritual for how you watch Succession? Oh, my ritual is I give myself more than an hour because I have to go back and re-listen to lines again and again and again. Because the amount of times we went back to see whether it was princess or princess. Yeah. Did you, did you notice that in today's I episode? I princess. That so did Jeff. And Jeff was like, it's 100% princess. And then it turned out it, it must have been prince or princes well, because... Uh, talk about uh, Kendall and Roman. I think they're referring to Kendall as the princess, uh-huh. as sort of in a derogatory way. And also as a way to throw us off the scent for a couple of scenes. Also, we noticed today, like, we can get the actual transcript sometimes. And we were trying to figure out exactly what Carrie says when she's gathering up her stuff into her bag. And she says, um, I don't know if you caught this, but she says, yeah, like, I did. I had to he go said he was going to marry me. He was going to marry me. We were going to yeah, get married. That's great. Poor Carrie. See, I didn't, Check I was, I was just fucking loving her pain. Wow. I was relishing her pain. Mm-hmm. See, there's this really something for everyone in this. Phil has shown that he's a better person because he can feel no sympathy for the privileged and powerful. See, here we are seeing the humanity in them. No. And you're, you're feeling pleasure in the pain of the humble PA. No, because I don't think she's the humble PA. I think there's a certain kind of opportunist that mm-hmm. I find as revolting as I find anything. Love the actor. Love what she's doing with the role. Love to hate her. <laughs> but... That kind of person, when they get theirs, mm, uh, mm, mm, mm. I, could, I just I loved watching her pain. I, re- I really liked it. I did. But she kissed that old guy for so long and didn't even get anything out of it. She's very, very broken. She's uh, very broken. I feel that she's broken. Love that- is love, Sarah. <laughs> love is love is love. She's no worse than anyone else. She just got so unlucky. She was so close. That's it. She, she was, was so, so unlucky. Close. She was so close to her hot millions. Yeah. Anyways. That was so sad about it. Here's one of my one of my last questions for you, Phil, before we release you into your the remainder of your day. Your mother is an archaeologist, was an archaeologist. Is she retired now? No, no, she was an archaeologist and then she became a doctor. Were you ever expected to be an archaeologist or a doctor, or was your engineering degree enough? Um, I think the degree was enough, although after I graduated, mum would from time to time say, the comedy sounds great, but maybe she'd get a business degree, just in case, just in case. And she'd give me a birthday card, happy birthday, Phil, maybe a business degree. And it wasn't <laughs> until I got on Have I Got News View that mum stopped suggesting the business degree. But you weren't vying to get your hand on the metal detector and the spade. <laughs> For the archaeology, no. I don't like getting dirty. I don't like kneeling in on dust. My dad was an engineer, so I think he was glad. This is another thing. Logan Roy remind me so much of my dad. I, my dad is not like Logan Roy, I should say. But physically, they're very similar. They Ooh. dress very similarly. They sort of walk. They have the, a similar sort of semi, semi-stoop. And they're sort of similarly sort of quiet and stoic. 
Does your dad smell really good? Yeah, he smells like a, a, a clean older gentleman. I think Logan Roy, we've had a lot of people write to us being like, I want to smell Logan Roy. Yeah. Do you want to sniff Phil's dad? I'd then? like to smell your dad. Based on what you've just said, I bet he smells great and it would be <laughs> nice to smell him. I reckon Logan Roy smelled maybe a bit mustier than my dad. I reckon he, he probably smoked the occasional cigar, drank whiskey. My dad doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. So it's probably like a cleaner kind of must. And then Logan Roy's got that kind of smoky kind of kind of barbecue must, you know. Oh. I'm thinking cedar. I want to smell wood, all of them. I want to. I want to. I want to be blindfolded and then get to smell your dad and Brian Cox and figure out who's who. <laughs> Phil Wang, what love, a guy. Love him. So funny. Something about the way he speaks it is funnier to me than other people. Listen to his podcast, Bud Pod, with Pierre Novelli. Don't fucking give them any attention. <laughs> Don't give them any attention. <laughs> yeah, no, you should listen to the podcast. I think it's quite good. Now, before we go, your favourite turns of phrase and quotes from this week's episode. Incoming. Inside an anaconda, inside a sarcophagus. I've maybe pre-grieved fratricide narratives bad narratives screw-ups and dipshits want to put down your fish taco you're getting your melancholy everywhere he wouldn't fuck a child he wouldn't even hug his grandkids a watch for colin not like all his real friends from his men's groups and choirs his two best friends what's his face and get that fucker away from me he lives on wonder bread and steak frites he hasn't had a shit in 20 years who are you? Why is your sex party so sad? Lip balm Tom Wom. Lubing up his lips to kiss my butt. My pubes got a little singed last time I went with you. Her plate is groaning. Two is fucking and three is like some weird orgy for hippies. History is happening. Can you smell it? Sure. Roses and rotting corpses. Long live the king and the other king. That was as Kendall and Roman walked out, having been appointed by the board. People are chanting, long live the king. And I wondered if it was Greg who went, and the other king. Oh, I wondered if it was Bore on the Floor Ray. Oh, it could have been Bore on the Floor Ray. Or Ray, Bore on the Floor. We'll be back with Friday Sprinkles, as Sarah mentioned. We will be recording early this week. Yeah, I'd say get us your shit today. I know that's big to ask, but I'm asking from a place of love, from a place of truth. Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com is the email address. Oh, that's good. Thank you. So much to ponder on between now and the next episode of Succession. You may remember at the New York premiere party for this season, on the red carpet, Jesse Armstrong joked to a reporter that the most likely spin-off would see Hugo forced to move back in with his daughter. Is what we saw this week, that spin-off, oh, Hugo, take a step closer to becoming a reality. Also, Connor revealed that his dad had been a big fan of Benny Hill and Frank Sinatra. Hands up who wants to see a Benny Hill-style chase set to You Make Me Feel So Young at the funeral. And could there be a big twist coming, where it turns out that two of the pallbearers at the funeral are Logan's best friends? What's his face? And get that fuck away from me. All right, do you want to usher the listener out like Colin ushering Carrie out of the back door of Logan's apartment? 
Yes, I do want to do that. We're going to use the back door right now. Right this way. My husband turns 50 on Thursday, so you're going to get in touch with us early because we can't record it at the time that we normally do. Right this way. Fuck off. At firecrutchandnormcourt.com. Take him out the back, Billy. Out the back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.